Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to this very special bonus episode of Jeff Does Vegas. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, jump on and take a listen to it wherever you happen to be listening to podcasts, or uh, maybe you're watching the podcast, which is something kind of new and exciting that we've started doing here with Jeff Does Vegas, the official Jeff Does Vegas YouTube channel. I just wanted to uh, take an opportunity to come on and spend a little bit of time with you guys, update you on what's been going on in the world of Jeff Does Vegas. We'll recap some of the recent episodes of the podcast in case you've missed out. And if you haven't been listening as of late, trust me, you've missed some very, very cool stuff. I want to share with you uh, information about my current Las Vegas trip. Yes, if you are uh, watching this or listening to it on the day that it comes out, uh, I am in fact, hopefully, in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, soaking up the sunshine in Sin City, enjoying some time down there. Also wanted to uh, bring you up to speed on some of the things that have been going on in the podcast, or I should say that are coming up on the podcast as we get set to head into what's shaping up to be a very busy summer season, uh, working on booking some very cool guests and and putting together some excellent content. So I just wanted to uh, take a chance to uh, bring you up to speed on all of that, bring you behind the curtain, if you will. All right, without any further ado, let's uh, let's get at this, shall we? So I will take this opportunity to uh, remind you to make sure that you like and follow the podcast on all the applicable social media channels. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook at Jeff Does Vegas. Uh, you want to make sure that you like and subscribe the podcast as well, uh, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel as well, the official Jeff Does Vegas YouTube channel, so that you get notified the minute new episodes become Become available. You don't want to miss out. We've been releasing some very, very cool stuff over the last little while. Um, in fact, why don't we take this opportunity to uh, to recap it and tell you about some of the uh, the episodes that have come out over the last little while? So we'll begin uh, with the most recent episode entitled "The Cowboy." The Life and Times of the Legendary Benny Binion, uh, making his unprecedented fifth appearance on the podcast. There is no other guest in the history of Jeff Does Vegas who has been on the podcast more than Jeff Schumacher, the vice president of exhibits and programs at the Mob Museum. I am so happy about this relationship that I've cultivated with the crew at the Mob Museum because it's given me an opportunity to um, get some very, very cool insight into Las Vegas history. And I know that you guys dig Vegas history. Anytime I release an episode that's about Vegas history, it, it always tends to be one of the the top episodes in the run. And this episode, no exception. Um, Jeff and I went in depth on the um, one of the lesser known Vegas mob stories. I think when you mention the mob and you mention Las Vegas, uh, most people instantly think of Bugsy Siegel. 
That makes sense. Of course, Bugsy Siegel, instrumental in the construction and the opening of the Flamingo. Didn't end all that well for Bugsy. Done a couple of episodes on that. You can go listen in the archives for those. Um, Other mob names that come to mind, maybe Meyer Lansky or uh, Frank Lefty Rosenthal, who, of course, uh, his story was quite well uh, publicized because of the movie Casino. Um, There's a few other names, Lucky Luciano, um, Tony the Ant Spilantro, uh, names like that. Those names tend to, to come to mind instantly. But Benny Binion is not really one of those guys. And so Jeff and I went in depth on to why that is. That's one of the questions that we did kind of ask and, and, and try to answer. Um, we talked a lot about his early days in organized crime and gambling, what his childhood was like, uh, growing up on the horse trading circuit with his, with his dad, which very, very interesting stories there. We talked about what uh, prompted him to make the move to Las Vegas. What was behind that Benny Binion, of course, um, instrumental in the creation of the world series of poker. That was a a big thing for Benny Binion. And I didn't know that he was one of the, the driving forces behind bringing national finals rodeo to Las Vegas. Benny was, he was a cowboy. He was from Texas. He loved horses. He loved rodeo. So he was one of the guys that was quite, um, again, instrumental in bringing national finals rodeo to Las Vegas. So we went pretty in depth with that. Um, we talked about a few other things to do with Benny as well, including his, um, of course, Binion's, uh, Binion's horseshoe is how it started out. Um, of course, the horseshoe name is now uh, transferred over to what used to be Bally's on the strip. But uh, Binion's still exists down in Las Vegas. Benny Binion, he was pretty cool in, in some of the things that he he brought in and innovations that he brought in uh, to his casino, things that had never been seen in Las Vegas before. So, so again, we went pretty in depth in a lot of that. We talked about um, the drama following his death and and what happened happened with with Binion's horseshoe and how the family dealt with things and and some weirdness within the Binion family itself. So uh, again, uh, that is the most recent episode of the podcast, the the Cowboy, the Life and Times of Benny Binion. Highly recommend you uh, jump into the archives and uh, and take a listen to that. Um, sometimes we get a little bit gritty on this podcast, and and, and I don't tend to cover topics that are controversial or, um, again, darker topics on the podcast, but I decided to go for something that was, uh, a little bit, again, things that maybe people don't like to talk about very much, uh, with an episode titled not for sale, human trafficking in Las Vegas. Um, I was joined on the podcast by Amy Marie Merrill, who's the executive director of a group called the cupcake girls, and they are not a bakery. Uh, they are a, a nonprofit organization in Las Vegas that actually works with victims of human trafficking and sex trafficking, as well as those who work in what they call the consensual sex industry. So, uh, people who are, uh, working as escorts or working as dancers who are there, not because they're being trafficked, but because they are there because they want to be, this is, this is how they earn a living and they want to be in that industry. So, um, they work with those people in different groups and, and, uh, and different segments of the population. And it was really, really fascinating, um, to have this conversation with Amy and learn about 
human trafficking in Las Vegas. It's something that's happening, whether you you know it or not. Um, chances are, if you've ever been in uh, what used to be McCarran Airport, is now Harry Reid International Airport. If you've ever been in the airport there and you've gone into one of the bathrooms, on the backs of the the stall doors, they have signs posted that say, uh, are you being trafficked? Are you a victim of human trafficking? Do you suspect human trafficking? Here's a number to call. Las Vegas is the fourth highest ranked city in the United States for human trafficking um, behind. I think it was, uh, I want to say Orlando, Atlanta, and I think Washington DC were the top three in Las Vegas was number four. So uh, Amy and I really drilled down on uh, some of the uh, shocking statistics surrounding human trafficking. You might be blown away by who's being trafficked and by whom, I was shocked. I was beyond shocked. So um, there was some really great stuff there in that conversation. Uh, we talked about um, human trafficking in the city of Las Vegas and surrounding areas and and what's being done to try to stop it. Um, Amy and I discussed some of the, the legal changes that she wants to see happen in order to protect victims. We covered a ton of ground. There are, is some triggering conversation in that episode. So um, just, again, just be aware of that as you take a listen to it. It's not the normal stuff that I, I would cover here on the podcast. It's not it's not fun and frivolity. It's, it's very deep. It's very dark stuff. So again... Um, if you want to check it out, do so. I very much recommend you you take a listen. It's a it's a conversation that I think um, needed to happen because again, this is stuff that that is happening in Las Vegas, and I want to make sure that people are are aware of it. Um, but again, just be warned there there is some triggering conversation in there that that may upset some people. So again, you. I won't be offended if you don't listen to that episode of the podcast, but I think it's it's very, very important that you do. Uh, something that I covered, a guest that I had on the podcast, this was uh, a fun conversation. Uh, chef Alicia Shevatone, who is a pop-up chef in Las Vegas. She uh, hosts events all across the city. She's written several cookbooks. She's got two that have already been released. She's got two on the way, including one that she's working on uh, with uh, one of my childhood crushes, Tiffany. Yes, that Tiffany, who was uh, recently in Las Vegas for an event uh, with Chef Alicia at uh, a, a spot that's uh, very near and dear to my heart, The Space. Uh, they held a, a pop-up event there, an event with Tiffany, um, food and beverages and recipes and all that kind of stuff. So she's actually working on a cookbook with Tiffany, which is very, very cool. Um, uh, Tiffany and Alicia are pals. So I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I'm absolutely going to work on Alicia to try to uh, connect me with Tiffany and have a podcast conversation with her. Uh, how am I going to tie it into Vegas? No idea. Don't really care. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Chef Alicia, uh, she uh, also, in addition to uh, working with Tiffany and putting out cookbooks, uh, she hosts her own cooking show online. It's called Sin City Kitchen. And she is the uh, founder of something called Dink Cuisine. Now, if you're wondering what DINK cuisine is, uh, DINK is an acronym. It stands for dual income, no kids, uh, which my wife and I are. We we don't have any children. We just have a giant 110-pound uh, furry Bernie's Mountain Dog baby who is currently asleep on the floor beside me here as I'm recording this podcast. Um, but Chef Alicia has put together these cookbooks and this, this whole uh, concept of um, cooking for two and, which is great because I don't know if, how much cooking you do using cookbooks, but a lot of times um, I find that those cookbooks, the recipes in them are for like feeding a family of eight. 
And for my wife and I, that's just lunacy. We, we just, that's too much food and you can only freeze so much food, right? So, um, chef Alicia has put this together. In fact, my wife and I actually, I, I used, uh, one of chef Alicia's recipes, um, a while ago, uh, I posted it on the, the Jeff does Vegas Facebook page. Uh, it was the crabby corn salad. It was delicious, very refreshing. It's going to be a fantastic summer dish. Uh, my wife and I are going to add it to uh, our regular rotation of, uh, of recipes. So anyways, uh, that episode as well, highly recommend you go back and, uh, and listen to it. Uh, be forewarned with that one. Keep a mop handy because um, as Chef Alicia talks about some of the dishes she puts together, I damn near ruined a keyboard. It, it, it just drooling. It, it's oh, so good. Some of the stuff she talked about just... Mm, yum, yum, yum. Um, another mob museum guest again, talked about those relationships that I've cultivated with the mob museum and, and Jeff Schumacher. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Claire white, who is, um, uh, from the mob museum. She's the director of education with the mob museum. Uh, she came back for a, a second appearance on the podcast in an episode called the ties that bind Vegas entertainment and the mob connection. So, during the conversation that I had previously with Claire, um, she came on initially to talk a little bit about um, Liberace and his impact on Las Vegas. And through the course of that conversation, something that came up was uh, organized crimes connections to the entertainment biz in Las Vegas. So we just kind of glazed over it in the Liberace conversation because Liberace did not have a connection to, to organized crime at all, but he was performing in hotels that were absolutely 100% mob joints. Um, but I thought it would be fun to have Claire back on the podcast to have a conversation about those, uh, those connections. So, uh, we went, uh, in depth, we talked about the early days of Vegas entertainment. We talked about the role that the mob played in shaping the entertainment industry in Vegas. And of course, some of the surprising and not so surprising mob connections between uh, certain performers and organized crime. Of course, there I'm talking about, uh, none other than, uh, the chairman of the board himself, Frank Sinatra, who as Claire pointed out in the episode, uh, is uh, was never a made member of the mob and was not specifically a member of the mob, um, but definitely had those ties to the mob. So we talked about Frank Sinatra's ties. We also talked about the rumored Wayne Newton ties, which um, if if you, as a little sidetrack here, uh, you want to go and listen to a podcast called Mobbed Up, which is a co-production of the Las Vegas Review Journal and the Mob Museum. Uh, the late Jeff Gehrman was the host of season two of that series of the podcast. And um, it went in depth about the the story of the Aladdin and uh, the mob ties with that and Wayne Newton's alleged mob ties or the the mob ties that NBC News tried to push and some of the the believed mob ties between Wayne Newton and, and organized crime. There never was any ties between Wayne Newton and organized crime. But anyways, we talked a little bit about that among other things. It was a fantastic conversation. Uh, also, I love when I have an opportunity to talk to uh, entertainers and Vegas entertainers. And uh, you may recall, I was in Las Vegas back in March for a conference. Uh, over the course of that week, I had the opportunity to sit down with a few different people and have some conversations. Um, Matt Franco 
who is a Vegas headliner. Uh, I had a chance to go backstage and uh, chat with Matt before one of his shows. We had an excellent conversation. Uh, Matt Franco, the very first ever magician to win America's Got Talent. We had a great conversation about his AGT experience. Uh, We talked about his family and the influence and the impact that they've had on him and his career. Uh, We talked about the recently revamped show that he just put out in in Las Vegas. He, of course, uh, performs at the link in the Matt Franco Theater. Um, Very much recommend you go back and take a listen to that episode. I also had a chance, again, talking more Vegas entertainment, uh, to sit down with uh, Vincent John from the Bronx Wanderers. Now, Vin and I have been uh, pals for the last few years. We've gotten to know each other very well. Uh, We've had some some great conversations uh, offline about the ever-changing world of Vegas entertainment. And I thought, hey, you know what? It'd be a lot of fun to go online with this, Vin. Let's sit down and do it. So again, uh, when I was in Vegas back in March, uh, Vin and I sat down, we connected. We actually sat in the lounge at the Luxor and uh, he had a, a martini, I had a beer and we had a conversation uh, all about the the changes that have been going on in the world of Vegas entertainment. The episode's called Evolution, the ever-changing world of Vegas entertainment. Um, we talked about... Some of the stuff that we really talked about was the 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 closures of lounges and live music venues um, and and of course also the shutdown of some of those big production shows. Vegas was always kind of well known for those big, huge production shows, right? I mean, way back in the day, it was shows um, like uh, Jubilee or um, the the Follies and and the topless shows like that. And then there was kind of a, a time when you saw some of those big budget Broadway shows come in, shows like Phantom of the Opera and Mamma Mia and The Lion King, shows like that move into the Vegas Strip. And then there was a time with like Rock of Ages and more recently uh, Bat Out of Hell, big, huge production shows like that that have struggled. And so we we kind of went in depth on the reason behind those struggling. We also talked about the closure of, uh, again, of lounges and live music venues, places like Cleopatra's Barge and um, the uh, the the live music area at the Paris and in what used to be Bally's, now the Horseshoe and and the moves that the casino corporations have made going away from that live entertainment and focusing on gaming, particularly with those venues where they've turned them into sports books or high roller lounges, things like that. So, so again, we, we talked about that. We talked about the move towards these big ticket headliners where you've got like Bruno Mars or Lady Gaga or Katy Perry um, or Adele or any of those artists coming in and performing uh, 10 nights a month, six times a year and doing residencies and charging ridiculous amounts of money for those tickets. So we talked about that. Uh, we also went a little bit into the world of sports and the effect that sports has had on live entertainment. It was a great conversation. And, and I know, um, in talking to Vin after we, we had this conversation and after I put out the episode, I think he took a little bit of shit from from some of the the other entertainers in Vegas who um, maybe didn't like what Vin said. So if you want to kind of get, again, taken behind the curtain, which Vin does a really good job of, by the way, anytime I've had a conversation with him in the past, he's done a really good job of, of sort of bringing me and you guys, the listeners behind the scenes on, uh, you know, what it takes to, to put together a Vegas show and how much money it costs to put together a show and, and things that people don't necessarily think of. So 
again, I would very much recommend you go and, and take a listen to that. Um, I also had a great conversation with Petra Massey, who uh, is she is a part of the cast of Atomic Saloon, which I've said before, I'll say it again and I'll say it again and again, easily is one of the top, if not the top show in Las Vegas right now. If you have not gone to see Atomic Saloon, be forewarned, it's not for the easily offended. Um, it's a very, very funny show. Some very great stuff in there, some amazing acrobatics, some great music, some great performers. Um, again, you got to see it for yourself to really understand what I'm trying to tell you. But Petra is uh, one of the leads in this show. She plays the part of Boozy Skunkton, who is the owner and proprietor of the Atomic Saloon. Um, now, Petra's got a very, very rich uh, career in uh, in the world of performing. She has uh, been all over the world performing. Um, she's performed at fringe festivals everywhere. When I said I was from Calgary, um, Alberta, she actually knew where where it was, which is always kind of neat when you run into somebody in Vegas who does. Um, but the reason she knew is she's been here for various performing festivals, uh, and she's actually been to Edmonton, north of here, for Edmonton's Fringe Festival. They they have a huge fringe festival in Edmonton. Um, we talked about her. Time with uh, a group called Spy Monkey, which is uh, a, a performance troupe that she actually founded. Very, very rich history of, with Spy Monkey, which was really cool to talk to her about. She really, she really kind of lit up when I brought up Spy Monkey, which was kind of fun to to see her get really excited to talk about that. Um, so again, uh, that episode called Petra Massey into inside the Atomic Saloon. Easy for me to say, uh, Petra Massey inside the Atomic Saloon. Uh, you can go and check uh, that one out and take a listen to it. It was it was a lot of fun to have that conversation. And then last but not least, I've got to mention the March trip report. I, I have mentioned that, um, that of course, as, a, as I said, I was in Las Vegas in March. I spent a week in Las Vegas, which is the longest amount of time I've ever spent there. Too long. I'm not going to lie to you. It was a long trip. I, I have to share this story. So, I was there, uh, my wife and I flew in on a Saturday. I was there just with my wife for the first few days. She flew home on Tuesday. My conference started on Tuesday. It ran until Friday. Then I flew home the following Saturday. So the Friday night, I was supposed to go out with uh, some friends, uh, Kenny Davidson, who I've mentioned on the podcast uh, a few times, amazing performer, amazing pianist. He was hosting uh, the 10th anniversary of his uh, Bowtie Cabaret that he does at the Tuscany every Friday. And so um, he invited me to that. And of course, I, I wanted to go because very seldom am I in Vegas on a Friday. I'm usually a, a Sunday to Tuesday or a Monday to Wednesday guy. Um, and so very seldom am I actually in Vegas and able to go. So I wanted to go. By the time I think I did my last interview for the podcast that I had with Matt Franco on Friday evening before his show. And by the time I was leaving the link to go back to the Luxor to drop off my gear and grab a bite to eat and then get set to head out um, to go see Kenny at Tuscany, I was so tired and I was just worn down from the week. And all I could really think of was, I know it's Friday night and it's Las Vegas but I just want to hide in my hotel room with a pizza and watch Netflix. <laughs> That's how sad it was after a week in Vegas. A week in Vegas is a very, very long time. But regardless of that, I had an absolutely 
amazing trip. And of course, I shared that in in the March trip report episode. I covered um, my stay at the Luxor, which was eventful for a few different reasons. There were a few things that happened while I was there. Um, gave reviews of of some of my meals. Of course, my wife and I ate at Rira and Husang's Cantina because we always do. Uh, we also ventured off the strip to a little place called Lou's Cafe, um, which was an excellent little locals diner, which was just, it was so good to go. And then of course, uh, talked about our incredible experience at the Mayfair supper club at the Bellagio, which, um, not only was it the greatest dining experience that I've ever had in my entire life, it's also the most expensive. I, I, I don't even know where to begin on that. I think, I think our meal I mean, it's dinner and a show, right? So it's not just the meal, but I'm pretty sure we were somewhere in the neighborhood of like 350 bucks, which again, I said this in the trip report, it sounds like a lot of money and and it is, and I get that. But at the same time, if you were to buy a pair of tickets, say you wanted to go to a Cirque du Soleil show, um, if you were to buy a pair of tickets to Cirque du Soleil's Love at the Mirage, um, and then you take yourself out for a nice dinner somewhere, you're probably looking at 350 bucks easy. So really, uh, this was an amazing dinner, like just an incredible dining experience, incredible show experience. And then we got some, some very cool little extras from our, our good friend, Lisa Marie Smith. Um, if you want to know more about all of that, uh, you can uh, go and listen to the March trip report. Um, I also shared in that episode, some tips and tricks for people who are attending conventions in Las Vegas, because as I said, I was in Las Vegas for a convention for that particular trick, uh, trip rather. Um, and it was an experience. And I, I learned a lot. I've done conventions in Vegas before. Um, but this is the first time that, that I really, um, I had something to say about it afterwards. And, and again, I learned some stuff myself and, and made some mistakes, which, uh, I wanted to share with, uh, with you guys, uh, in that episode, in case you happen to be going to a convention in Vegas, because convention in Vegas sounds like a great idea, right? Like you're going to go to Las Vegas, you're going to have a, a vacation, you're going to combine it with some work. Um, it was tough. I'm not going to lie to you. It, you, you kind of that convention, it could have been not in Las Vegas and, and it, I mean, it would have been a great convention. It still would have been a good time and I would have had a lot of fun. Um, Vegas was almost like a distraction because you're in the convention, you are at a session, you're watching a guy up on the stage speaking and, and giving a presentation. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking there's slot machines out there. There's a bar out there. There's entertainment out there. The Vegas strip is out there. I'd rather be out there. So again, made a few mistakes. So I wanted to, to help you guys um, to learn from my mistakes and uh, and and such. So again, uh, that is all in the March Trip Report episode. Uh, again, make sure you uh, you follow the podcast, you subscribe. Uh, you can uh, find it, of course, at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all the platforms. Uh, and uh, and of course, don't forget about uh, the YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash Jeff Does Vegas. Hit the subscribe button there and you will get notified as soon as new episodes are available so you will not miss out.
So I made mention off the top of this episode that uh, I have got a trip to Las Vegas planned. And by the time you are listening slash watching uh, this episode, I will be in Las Vegas. I've got a trip down uh, planned from May 29th to June 1st. So just a a short little trip getting in uh, late in the morning on the 29th, flying home probably early afternoon on uh, on June the 1st. Uh, it's going to be an opportunity for me to get down and enjoy some hot weather. Haven't really had uh, the scorching hot weather uh, here at home in Calgary as of yet. Um, and my last couple of trips to Vegas have been January. It was cold. Uh, when we were there in December, it was cold and it rained. Uh, when, we, when we were there in March, it was not shorts weather, but it, it certainly wasn't hot either. It wasn't cold, but it wasn't hot. So this is my opportunity to uh, get away for a few days, head down and uh, spend some time uh, in the hot weather. Uh, where am I staying this time around? Well, I am uh, headed back to the Horseshoe, which of course is, is formerly Bally's. This, this place has been a go-to of mine for the last few years in Las Vegas. I absolutely love the property. And a lot of that has to do with the location. I mean, you are basically dead center of the strip. If you're not totally familiar with Vegas geography, um, Bally's, or I should say the horseshoe is, uh, right across Las Vegas Boulevard from the Bellagio. Um, you are next to the Paris, you are, um, right near Caesar's palace. You're right near the Cromwell and the Flamingo. I mean, again, it's just, the location is just outstanding. You really can't beat the location for it. Um, I booked a one King resort room. So I'm going to be in the resort tower, which is the tower that I usually stay in when I, when I go, I was kind of thinking I should try to book something in the Jubilee tower because, um, they just made the announcement that the Jubilee tower is going to be, uh, changing over, uh, and becoming a new tower as part of the Paris. I think that's going to be called the Versailles tower or something like that. And they're planning on building a walkway and a tunnel and all this kind of stuff. Anyways, it's going to be interesting to see that all shape up. Uh, but yeah, so I am booked to stay at a one King, uh, resort room at, at the horseshoe. I got a stupid rate to do this. Uh, for those of you who are totally in the know, uh, maybe you're not regular listeners, of the podcast. Um, I am a diamond member with Caesars. I bought my way into diamond, uh, with a program called the founders card. So I'm not a a heavy duty gambler or anything like that. But as a result, I tend to get really, really good rates at Caesar's properties. And this time, I mean, this was a rate and a price that I just honest to God, I couldn't pass up. Um, I got the notification, the email saying, Hey, we've got these deals. I checked my dates. My dates were good. Went on the website, looked at the rates and went, I can't not book this. It's going to cost me more money to stay home than it will to go to Vegas. Um, $10 a night to stay at the horseshoe, (laughs) $10 a night. It's like 30 ish dollars total. And I'm not, I'm not. I don't want to come across like I'm bragging when I say this, but in all honesty, $10 a night. Come on. I couldn't pass that up. I took a screenshot of the rate and I sent it to my wife and I said, I'm booking this. And she went, Oh, $30 a night. That's really good. And I went, no, 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 honey, honey, $30 total, $10 a night. (laughs) 
And, and of course, as a diamond, uh, a diamond tier rewards member, I don't pay resort fees. So this is a legit $10 a night. The last time I had a rate like this at Bally's, um, my wife and I were there. It was our, our December trip, which I, I like to do a birthday trip every year in December. And so uh, when we were checking in, uh, the guy behind the counter, a little tickety, tickety, tickety on the keyboard. And he goes, Oh, I see here. You've got this rate. This, this like $12 a night was what we paid. And I said, yeah, he goes, well, you know, when you're done at the week, come and see us before you leave. And, uh, depending on your play, we can probably comp you this. And I just thought to myself, I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, dude, the amount of money that I would have to gamble in order for you to comp me this room, I'd probably have to gamble a thousand dollars to get, to get the room comped $12 a night guys. So in this case, $10 a night guys. <laughs> so again, as I say, it, it, it would, it's probably going to cost me less to go to Vegas than it would be to stay home. If I stayed home, I'm going to take myself up for food. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go on Amazon. I'm going to do some shopping. I'm not going to be able to do any of those things while I'm in Vegas. Okay. I lied. I'm totally going to go out to eat obviously. And I'm probably going to do some shopping, but it's Vegas shopping. It doesn't really count. Anyways, uh, I am looking forward to, uh, to checking out the horseshoe. Um, this is going to be, I think the first time I've stayed there since they officially became quote unquote, the horseshoe. Um, the last time I stayed there, the signage was up. Uh, was starting to go up. I think most of it was up already. Um, they'd already changed uh, some of the decor on the inside, but there was still some stuff that hadn't opened yet. The poker room hadn't opened yet. Uh, the uh, the Jack Binion Steakhouse wasn't open yet. There's a new uh, Asian restaurant in there that that hadn't opened as of yet. So um, looking forward to going in, checking out the property, uh, seeing what it looks like there. Um, I know there is still a lot of work going on on the exterior at the Horseshoe. Uh, the new marquee, the new sign has gone up, but I don't think it's finished yet. I think they've just got the LED screen part uh, up and going there. They're also doing a lot of work uh, in the Grand Bazaar shops area out front of what used to be Bally's is now the horseshoe. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of work going on out there. It's actually, uh, from my understanding, it's a, a lot of a mess to try to get around. Um, there's a new uh, restaurant bar uh, opening up called Bottle Blonde. This is a, a big chain that's uh, that's open um, all across uh, in a few different places in the U.S. Um, that's going to be opening up. They've got plans for that to be open by the fall. So I want to see how the construction is going on that. Uh, they're also opening a place called old red, which is a, a bar and restaurant with a, a, I think there's some live performance uh, space in there as well. Uh, this is a, a place that's actually owned by Blake Shelton by country country star, Blake Shelton, who apparently likes to spend a lot of time in Las Vegas now. So He's opening up this place uh, between Old Red and Bottled Blonde. My understanding is they're going to kind of be like the anchor tenants of the new Grand Bazaar shops right kind of at the front, right on Las Vegas Boulevard. So uh, again, going to be just kind of really curious to see how that construction is going and, and where things are at uh, with that. Other things I've got planned for this trip, um, it's going to be a busy one. Again, I'm only there for uh, two full days. Uh, I've got kind of the half day when I get there and the half day before I leave. Um, there's lots of stuff that I want to try to do. Uh, there's a brand new museum that just opened up. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Jeff, Vegas, museums, pff, nerd. Uh, this is probably one of the coolest museums in the world that I've heard of, the Punk Rock Museum. So uh, Punk Rock 
big music genre, of course. I know I don't look like the most punk guy in the world, but I I, I enjoy me some punk rock every once in a while. Uh, this is a brand new museum that has just opened up in Las Vegas. Looks very, very cool. I, I, for those that don't know, I'm a huge music nerd, uh, spent like 20 years working in terrestrial radio, a lot of that working for classic rock and, and classic hit stations. So I got a lot of music history. As you can tell, if you're watching this, the video version of this podcast, you can see all the, the vinyl there behind me. That's all my dad's old vinyl. Um, love dropping the needle on some of that stuff every once in a while. My musical taste runs everything from Abbott to Zeppelin and pretty much anything in between. Um, so I love visiting music museums. So I'm looking forward to this. So I'm going to go check out uh, the punk rock museum and I am working on an episode for, uh, of the podcast for that. I'll, I'll share that with you in, in a few minutes here. Um, but yeah, definitely want to go and, and check out the punk rock museum. I also might try to pay a visit to, Area 15 and Omega Mart. So I'm really kind of conflicted on this because I get a lot of people asking me about Area 15 and Omega Mart. It's it's like a Area 15 has a, a lot of cool stuff there, which that's that's great and that, that's wonderful. I I I want to see that. Omega Mart is this. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like an interactive art installation. It it looks like a, a giant supermarket, but I guess there's like, there's like hidden tunnels and weird little things and little Easter eggs hidden throughout the, the place. And you can go through and, and go through these tunnels and end up in these different spots. And apparently you can spend like hours and hours there. I have never been. But everybody asks me about this place. Everybody that I talk to when they say, um, I'm going to Vegas and I say, oh, well, if you need any ideas on anything, let me know. The first question they're asking me about is Omega Mart and Area 15. And I, I, I can't answer. And I feel I kind of feel like a failure as a, a Vegas podcaster and a so-called quote unquote Vegas expert. Nobody's calling me a Vegas expert. I'm the only person calling me <laughs> Even I don't know. So, but anyways, as I say, I kind of feel like a bit of a failure. I feel like I'm behind the times on this. So um, I may try and call up one of my Vegas friends and we'll go and check out um, Area 15 and, and Omega Mart. And so that I can kind of get a form my own opinion on this place, because I just keep I keep seeing these videos and I see stuff on on social media and on TikTok and Instagram and people are sharing videos and they're sharing reels and, and they're talking about it. And everybody's like, yeah, this is the coolest thing in the world. You should go. And I look, I go, I just don't get it. So again, this is my opportunity to go and uh, and and see if I get it. And then I can hopefully properly recommend it to people or or not recommended to them as, as the case may be. So that's on my agenda. I also might try to get over to the atomic museum, formerly the national atomic testing museum. A lot of people don't know this, but Las Vegas and the state of Nevada have a, a very, um, lengthy atomic history. There was nuclear testing that was done uh, just north of Las Vegas out in the desert. They actually used to host like uh, mushroom cloud viewing parties on the rooftops of the hotels in downtown Las Vegas. People would stand there, they'd have a beverage, they've had some food, and they'd watch the mushroom clouds come up. Totally safe, right? Completely. What could possibly have gone wrong? Anyways, um, 
I haven't been to the Atomic Testing Museum in a, in a very long time. And so uh, I may try and go check that out. It's just off of the strip. Uh, it's a, a few blocks up uh, Flamingo Road off the strip. I used to walk there from the strip. And we'll see. We'll see how hot it is. We'll see how lazy I'm feeling. I may take an Uber uh, and just and go there from there. So we'll see how that goes. Anyways, some very cool stuff there. If you're a museum guy at all or a museum gal, uh, very much recommend the Atomic Testing Museum and uh, or what's now called the Atomic Museum. Uh, so I may go and uh, and check that out as well. Uh, other things that I want to see, um, I've been hearing all these nightmares about the construction that's being done for formula one. Uh, the big formula one race is coming up, uh, November, I believe the 16th to the 18th are the dates of the formula one race. They've started doing construction already for the race. Um, for the last little while, the southbound lanes of Las Vegas Boulevard, because the main straightaway for the race is running on Las Vegas Boulevard from uh, Sands Avenue, which is the corner where uh, the Wynn and the Venetian and Treasure Island and Fashion Show Mall kind of all are. Uh, the main straightaway goes from there south on Las Vegas Boulevard to Coval, or sorry, not Coval, to Harmon. Coval is, is another part of this story, uh, to Harmon road. And, um, that is where, uh, the cosmopolitan and planet Hollywood are right in, in that spot right there. Uh, they have been doing construction and they've been doing resurfacing of Las Vegas Boulevard to prepare the track. Part of that has basically had all of the southbound lanes of Las Vegas Boulevard shut down. People have been complaining about the traffic and, and the nightmare that it is. So I kind of want to see for myself just how bad it is. Um, they're also going to be building grandstands in several different spots along Las Vegas Boulevard. And one of those spots is over the Bellagio Fountain. And my understanding is they've already started uh, putting in some concrete pilings and removing trees. So uh, again, I just kind of want to see it for myself. Maybe take some photos, take some video, things like that. Um, they have started, uh, well, they haven't started. They're quite a ways along on the paddock, the, the pit paddock and the garage area uh, for Formula One, which is at Harmon and Coval a couple of blocks off of the Vegas strip, just east of the Vegas strip behind planet Hollywood. So I want to take a wander over there and, and see kind of how that construction is going as well. Depending on the weather, this is something that I've, I've debated on trying to do for the last couple of trips, but I just, I haven't had the time. Um, I might try to walk the F one track route or as much of it as publicly accessible. There are some parts obviously around the pit paddock, uh, the new pit paddock that, that are not accessible as well. There's a loop that goes around the MSG sphere. Um, that is also uh, right now not publicly accessible. At least I don't think it is. So I may try to actually walk the F1 track route. Uh, we'll see again, it's going to depend on the weather and how sketchy some of the area looks because there is some kind of sketchy parts of that. Um, maybe try and take some video from the walk, take some photos, maybe do a little bit of live streaming while I walk. So again, you take a look for that, uh, and keep an eye out for that on the YouTube channel, uh, and on the social media as well. Uh, I'm going to go on the hunt for some F1 merchandise because we are now six months away from this race. And you'd think that to try to build up a little bit of excitement, they would consider at the very least releasing, I don't know, like a fricking t-shirt or something. <laughs> 
I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen any merchandise. The, the last time I was in Vegas, the only place I spotted any formula one merchandise was at the, um, at the airport. And it was, one of them was at a kiosk and the kiosk was closed. Uh, the other one was in one of the, like a, just a shop that sold like sports stuff. So it was crammed in there with, um, uh, Vegas Golden Knights stuff and, and Las Vegas Raiders stuff and things like that. So, uh, again, um, I'm going to go on the hunt for some merchandise. It would, I, I would assume that at this point, we're now about six months out from the race. I would assume that somebody somewhere has a, uh, a t-shirt that says Las Vegas Grand Prix on it. So I'm going to try to go on the hunt and see if I can, I can get that, uh, mentioned that I might try to do some live streaming, record some video content for, uh, for the YouTube channel. Um, definitely got some ideas of what I want to try to do and some things I want to try to do some ideas and maybe try and film some content to, uh, to release here as bonus content, uh, on the YouTube channel and, and some bonus podcast stuff as well. And the other thing that I think I might do is, uh, just spend some time chilling by the pool. Um, I generally don't do that. Um, I'm not a pool guy. Usually some of that comes from uh, self-consciousness because uh, I am, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big guy and uh, I'm also uh, a little um, hairy. <laughs> I just laying it all out here for you folks. Uh, I'm a little hairy and, uh, and not only that, uh, I live in Canada where it's been winter for the last eight months, which means I'm also a very pasty white. And so when I go and I sit by a pool in Las Vegas and I am the, uh, the, the pasty white, hairy, fat Canadian guy, um, yeah, a little self-conscious about the whole thing. But here's the thing. Here's something that I have learned in Las Vegas. And, and I apologize to anybody that takes offense to what I'm about to say. The thing that I have learned is is this when you go to a pool in Las Vegas, no matter how self-conscious you are guy or girl, man or woman, whatever, whoever you identify as, there is no need to be self-conscious because here's the thing that I've learned. No matter how fat, how pasty white or how hairy you are, I guarantee you there is somebody else at that pool who is fatter, pastier, whiter, and hairier than you. And they are going to be there with their shirt off and all of it in the full glory with zero, zero self-consciousness, all the confidence in the world. So again, you can be there <laughs> and, and have fun at the pool. There's no reason that you can't. There's absolutely no reason that you can't. So again, I'm not a big pool guy, but I may go and spend a little bit of time at the pool, just a couple hours, at least out in the sun to kind of recharge the batteries and just, you know, try and get some of that sunshine, a little vitamin D and feel good about, about me and about, about what I'm doing. And then I'll look at the really, really fit person walking by and I'll think, oh, <laughs> anyways, uh, meals planned for this trip. Nothing concrete as of yet. I will, uh, probably hit up some of my usual spots. I'll probably go to, uh, to Rira and Ellis Island, uh, maybe try and find, um, somewhere new to go and check out something I did notice that I am kind of excited about when I was looking for, uh, something totally non-related the other day, Yardbird, which is the restaurant my wife and I have eaten at several times in Las Vegas. The last time we ate there, 
the collard greens, which we absolutely love. And that is not something that you can get anywhere in Canada at any restaurant anywhere. Uh, the collard greens were back on the menu. So I may just have to go to Yardbird to get an order of collard greens and have a drink. Just that, that might be the only reason I go there. Anyways, it's going to be an excellent trip to Vegas and, and I cannot wait uh, to get back from that trip and uh, share another world famous Jeff does Vegas trip report with you. So in addition to uh, talking about my Vegas trip and some of the past episodes of the podcast, I wanted to um, take a, an opportunity here to uh, bring you into the fold and let you know about some of the stuff that I'm working on for future episodes of the podcast. And I am working on uh, some very cool stuff that I'm I'm really looking forward to, uh, to sharing with all of you. Uh, I'll start off with uh, something that I mentioned um, that I was going to go take in on my last or in on my next trip to Vegas, I should say my upcoming trip here, uh, the one that will be occurring whilst this episode is uh, being released. Um, the Punk Rock Museum It's a brand new museum that just opened in Las Vegas, uh, diving deep into the history of uh, punk rock music. Um, Vinnie Fiorello, who is uh, a founding member of the band Less Than Jake who very, very cool punk band from the, uh, the nineties and two thousands. Um, he is the co-founder and chief marketing officer at the brand new punk rock museum. And so, uh, I reached out to the museum to see about getting somebody on the podcast to have a conversation. And they said, yeah, you can, you can talk with, uh, with Vinnie Fiorello. And I said, that is really freaking cool. So, uh, going to be having a conversation with him in an upcoming episode of the podcast, talk all about, um, the, the history of the museum, uh, why Las Vegas was the, the choice for this, this particular museum, particularly because they, you know, Vegas is a city that I don't think people necessarily think about punk rock music. They think about the Rat Pack. They think about Elvis. They think about Liberace. Um, they think about uh, big headliners that are there right now. Lady Gaga, Adele, Cher, Celine Dion. But punk isn't something that really comes to mind. So it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of take that dive and, and learn all about the punk rock museum. They're doing some really, really cool stuff at the museum as well. Uh, some very unique experiences and some unique opportunities. So uh, looking forward to having that conversation. Something else that I've been working on trying to put together is a, uh, a conversation about the, the economics of sport. Now this sounds as boring as pee on a plate, right? It's, it's, uh, and that's a Canadian, I don't know if that's a Canadian expression. I've never heard anybody else say it. And the actual expression is piss on a plate, but I didn't want to say piss. I just did, I guess. But anyways, <laughs> sounds like a boring topic, right? The economics of sport. Oh, goody, Jeff, we're going to talk money and sports, but you know what? I think it's uh, an important conversation to have because of course, um, Las Vegas has boomed over the last few years with professional sports, really big league sports came to Vegas 2017 with the, the Vegas golden Knights in their first season. Right. And so since then we've, we've had, uh, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, the NFL move into Vegas. Um, WNBA is there. There's been talk of an NBA franchise for the last little while. And of course the big story that's kind of been dominating the Vegas news for the last while is, um, the uh, uh, Oakland A's, uh, Major League Baseball, making the move to Las Vegas. And that story coming out now, relocation for the Oakland A's to Vegas. But the big money part of that story 
is the um, the Oakland A's want government money. They want taxpayer dollars to put towards building this stadium. They're talking about a, a billion and a half dollars to build a 30,000 seat baseball stadium that's actually going to be built. There was a location that had been announced uh, previously just west of the uh, the Vegas Strip, kind of across the strip from or across uh, uh, the I-15 freeway from T-Mobile Arena. Um, that has now changed. And the big story is they are going to be demolishing the Tropicana and building the stadium on that property, which uh, is an interesting choice. Uh, a lot of people have some very strong feelings about that. Um, but the thing that they seem to have the most strong feelings about is the fact that the A's want anywhere between 300 and 500 million dollars in tax dollars to put towards building this stadium. So trying to track down a sports economist, and I've got a few feelers out. My email has been sent out to a few people to see uh, if they'd be interested on coming on the podcast and having that conversation. So um, again, looking forward to trying to put that episode together. That's something that you want to watch out for coming up. Um, friend of the podcast and creator of Vegas Unfiltered, Sam Novak. Sam's been on the podcast here before. I've had a conversation with him about his story and, and things that he's got going on uh, in Las Vegas with this blog and this website that he created called Vegas Unfiltered. He now falls under the Vegas411.com umbrella with Vegas Unfiltered. He just put out a, a story this week and I shared it on the Facebook page uh, entitled, um, well, it talks about Vegas losing its status as a 24-hour city. This is something that I've talked about on the podcast a couple of times, things that I've noticed where um, I'm coming back from a show or out with friends or something like that. It's like 11, 1130 at night, it, trying to find a place to eat or grab a drink along the strip is insane. And I even actually noticed it uh, on my last trip in March. Um, we went to uh, an event in middle of the week as part of this conference. We went to an event. It was just a three hour deal at a nightclub. Um, started at eight, was done at 11, which, you know, that's fine, whatever. Um, but then at 11 o'clock, the, the group of us were like, well, we're going to try and go find a, a place to drink. We went to the lobby bar at the Cromwell and it was closed. Like what the hell happened there? Bars in Las Vegas, particularly casino bars, never used to shut down. There were tons of restaurants that were open 24 hours. There was tons of, of places you could find to eat or drink or whatever. Now, if it's one o'clock in the morning, you're stopping into a Walgreens and buying a sandwich out of the cooler because that's the only place you can find food. It, it really kind of ridiculous. Anyway, Sam wrote this great article. Uh, about Vegas losing its status as a 24-hour city or no longer being a 24-hour city. So uh, I want to get Sam on the podcast to have a conversation with him uh, about that. I've got the email out there for him. Um, as well, there's been this um, this spawn of what they're referring to as alternative tourism in Las Vegas. So, I mean, Vegas has always obviously been a big uh, tourist city. It's a place where people would come to to gamble and party and and go to shows and things like that. But there's been this um, this really interesting uh, shift towards different sectors of tourism. There's a lot of uh, foodie or culinary tourism going on right now. You you 
you can't turn around without seeing an advertisement for some sort of Vegas foodie tour that involves you going to all these different restaurants and, and, you know, sampling different types of food and things like that, which, you know, as a fat kid, I, I completely appreciate and would love to go on some of these tours. But so that's something. The other big one, and this is something I don't really foresee myself ever partaking in and not for any kind of moral or social reasons. It's just not something that I'm interested in, but cannabis tourism is, is getting quite big or has gotten big in Las Vegas. And I guess it's no different than the, the foodie tours, but I mean, of course, um, marijuana is legal in, in Las Vegas and the state of Nevada. And there's certain places that you still can't technically consume it. They tend to little blind eye towards it on the strip. You can't walk down without smelling marijuana everywhere. But, um, cannabis tourism has become a big thing in Las Vegas. As a matter of fact, uh, the very first ever cannabis friendly hotel in Las Vegas called the Lexi hotel, which is the, the former site of, um, used to be the artisan hotel, which had a bit of a reputation as being a swingers joint. Um, I'm not making that up. Anyways, uh, they shut down and they have reopened or will be reopening is what's called uh, the Lexi Hotel. As I say, the very first ever cannabis friendly hotel uh, in the city of Las Vegas. There's again, there's lots of tours and things like that that have been going on as well. So that's that's kind of an interesting thing. So I may take a little bit of a dive. As I say, I'm not into it myself. Um, I have uh, truth time kids sharing circle. Let's uh, let's open up the sharing circle. I've, I've never smoked anything. <laughs> I've consumed a lot of smoked meat and some smoked salmon, but I've never smoked a cigarette and never smoked pot. Not once, not ever in my life. And again, no, uh, I don't have any kind of objection to it. And if people want to do it, that's totally fine with me. You guys go ahead. You do whatever you want. Smoke your faces off. Um, it's just not for me. It's just not my thing. So, uh, but I know that there's there's uh, an industry out there and there's probably a story of some kind to tell. So uh, I may try to reach out to the folks from the Lexi hotel and see if I can uh, get them on the podcast and, and have a conversation because again, I know that there are those of you out there who do partake. And um, if you do again, that's good for you. It's just not something for me. It's not something I'm interested in. Um, so again, uh, I may try and, and get them, uh, get them on the podcast and have a conversation with them. Um, as we get into the summer season as well, I don't know about you, but there's something that I love doing in the summer and that is hanging out on the deck, soaking up the sunshine, enjoying a nice cold beverage and cracking open a good book. The, the art of reading is lost today. I think I, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Um, but I feel like people don't do a lot of reading anymore. And so, um, if you are like me and you're into, uh, into Las Vegas, there's some really great Vegas books out there. Uh, several of the authors of those books have been on this podcast. So I thought it might be kind of fun to, uh, put something together that I'm calling Vegas book club. Essentially, um, I'm going to reshare some of these conversations that I've had with with authors who have been on the podcast. So, uh, for example, uh, David Schwartz, who is a UNLV professor, he's a Vegas historian. Uh, he's been on the podcast a couple of times, actually. The first time he was on uh, was to talk about his book called At the Sands. Uh, of course, uh, when you think iconic, legendary Vegas hotels, the Sands Hotel is uh, one of the ones that that pops to your mind almost immediately. Uh, a huge history at the Sands. Of course, uh, the Sands was home to the Rat Pack, 
uh, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra. That was where where they did a lot of their performing. Uh, but there's so much more to the story than just the sands. So David Schwartz was on, had a great conversation with him. Um, Matthew O'Brien, who wrote a book called Dark Days, Bright Nights. Matthew O'Brien is uh, he's the the foremost authority on um, homelessness, particularly. Uh, the homelessness among those who live in the tunnels under Las Vegas. This is a, um, a legend uh, in the city of Las Vegas. There are hundreds of miles of tunnels that run under the city of Las Vegas. And these tunnels are there for no other reason other than to channel floodwater and stormwater away from the Vegas Strip. That's why they exist. They are storm drainage tunnels. Um, but they are home to hundreds, if not thousands, of members of the homeless population in Las Vegas. And Matthew has written a couple of great books about that population. And he's also the founder of a charity called Shine a Light, which uh, they go into the tunnels and they they meet with the members of the homeless population that live under the the, the city of Las Vegas. And they go in there with um, food, water, uh, articles of clothing, hygiene items, things like that. They also help anybody that wants to try to, um, get out of the tunnels and move their lives forward. Um, so he, he wrote a, a couple of great books and dark days, bright nights is the, the book that I read. Um, and I had him on to talk about, and it was a, a fascinating conversation. So looking forward to sharing that with you again, or resharing that one with you. Uh, Dennis Blair, who is a great, uh, musician, comedian, songwriter. Um, I've gotten to know Dennis uh, very well over the last few years of my time in Las Vegas. And Dennis is one of those guys that, so when I met Dennis, um, I just met him. He was part of uh, my buddy, Kenny Davidson's band. And so we had a great conversation. Dennis mentioned he does stand-up comedy, mentioned that he's written a book or was writing a book. Um, he does some really great impressions, some good celebrity impressions. And I thought, hey, this would be a great guy to have on the podcast and have a conversation with. Then I did some digging into who he was, and holy shit, he has <laughs> worked with some amazing performers over the course of his career, um, including, but not limited to, Rodney Dangerfield, who he actually worked very, very uh, length, lengthy times with. And, um, he, if you've ever seen the eighties movie, easy money with Rodney Dangerfield, Dennis Blair was actually one of the co-writers on that movie. Uh, he spent years touring with Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, he spent a long, long time, uh, touring and working with Joan Rivers. Um, and then most famously, he spent 18 years working with the legendary George Carlin, and so you can only really imagine the stories that Dennis has. So he put together this book called Touring with Legends, and we had a great conversation. He shared some of his stories from the road where he's with some of these comedians that he's worked with. We talked about the book. We talked about music. It was a great conversation. Again, can't wait to share that one with you. Um, Eric Sherwood, who is on Twitter as the Annoyed Pit Boss. Uh, he started off, I think, as the annoyed dealer, and then he got promoted, so he was the annoyed pit boss. Uh, he put together a book called Delt, Stories from the Felt. And so this book is uh, some of his stories and things that he experienced working in the gaming industry and um, had a great conversation with him and had a lot of fun talking to him. He Again, his Twitter account caught my attention. I thought, oh, i got to get him on the podcast. And then when he was putting out a book, I thought, oh, this is, this is perfect. This is great. So again, great conversation with him. Can't wait to share that one with you again. Uh, Richard Zoglin, 
who is a uh, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, writer and author. He wrote a book uh, a few years ago called Elvis in Vegas and kind of a history of Elvis Presley in Las Vegas and the impact that he has had on the city, not just the cultural impact, but the trails that he sort of blazed for future residencies in Las Vegas. Let's be honest. If there, if there was no Elvis Presley in Las Vegas, there would be no Adele or Celine Dion or Cher or Bruno Mars or Katy Perry. Elvis Presley set a record for the number of days that he performed at uh, what started off as the International Hotel, eventually became the Hilton, now is the Westgate. Um, he ran there for years and garnered massive paychecks. And so if it wasn't for the success of that residency, there would not be further residency. So we went very in depth with, with Richard and, and talking about his book. So again, uh, that is uh, Richard Zoglin, Elvis in Vegas. Um, so looking forward to sharing that one with you again. And then this one, a book called whale hunt in the desert. Now it was written by a uh, Deke Castleman. Now I didn't get Deke on the podcast. I got the subject of the book on the podcast. Whale hunt in the desert is uh, a book about a guy by the name of Steve Sear. Now, Steve is a casino host in Las Vegas, and he's not just any casino host in Las Vegas. I mean, I don't want to say anybody can get a host, but pretty much anybody that gambles any real amount of money in Las Vegas, you can get connected with a host. But Steve is one of the, the rare guys that work with whales. Now, if you're not familiar with what a whale is, uh, a whale is a person who comes to Vegas and gambles very sizable sums of money. Like we're talking, it would not be uncommon for a whale to come to Vegas and drop three or $4 million uh, over the course of a weekend. It's, it's a lot of money that these guys spend. So Steve is one of the guys who is responsible for trying to get those people to come to Las Vegas and spend their money. As Steve says, he's the guy with the juice. These guys want villas at hotels. If they want to stay in the Elvis suite at the Westgate, he's the guy that could make that happen. If they want ringside tickets to a, a boxing match or UFC, Steve's the guy that'll make that happen. If they want a limo, if they want a private jet, if they need a line of credit, if they want to go to the, the best restaurants, they want to go to the biggest parties, they want to go VIP at clubs. Steve is the guy that makes that happen. So what a great conversation with Steve. This was in the very early days of the podcast. And I, I was, I was really happy to make that one happen. I think that we had that conversation back in 2019, like in the first full year of the podcast. So again, looking forward to resharing that conversation with you as well. Um, Vegas book club, watch for those to come out over the course of the summer. Um, again, this is just kind of a, an opportunity to, uh, to put out some extra stuff, put out some content and, uh, and give you guys, uh, some ideas for some things that you may want to read, uh, over the course of the summer, some great stuff coming up on the podcast in the next few weeks. Cannot wait uh, to share it all with you. So before I get out of here, there are just a few things that I want to remind you about. Uh, first off, Jeff Does Vegas Insiders. If you have not signed up to become a Jeff Does Vegas Insider as of yet, would highly recommend that you do so. Um, yes, it costs you some money. 
five bucks a month. That's all it's going to cost you. $5 a month US. What do you get for that $5? Well, uh, you get uh, some very cool perks, including early access to brand new episodes. New episodes of the podcast usually come out on Mondays. You are going to get them uh, bright and early on Saturdays. That's when you're going to get that podcast. So you'll be able to listen to it. You're also going to be able to listen to it 100% commercial free. We have been running commercials on the podcast. You may have noticed that. You may have heard them running at the start or part way through or at the end of the podcast uh, if you sign up to be a jeff does vegas insider no commercials for you 100 commercial free and again you're going to get those episodes early i'm um, looking at putting together some bonus content for insiders only i've been testing out some some fun stuff including some movie watch alongs this is something that again I'm just, I'm trying to put together and trying to work. So essentially it's going to be, uh, if you've ever, if you've ever gone on YouTube or if you've ever been online and you've seen those video watch alongs with people, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be me watching a movie and reacting to stuff in, in it. And I'll do them as Vegas movies, of course. And I also maybe want to try and figure out a way to invite you guys as, as Jeff does Vegas insiders in to join me for those watch parties. Um, so that's going to be kind of fun and something different to do. Uh, also, finally, I know I've been saying it for like the last two years or year and a half that I've had the insiders thing going on, but I'm trying to put together some real life Vegas meetups. And the only way you're going to find out about them is if you are a Jeff does Vegas insider. So again, uh, make sure you sign up to be a Jeff does Vegas insider. Oh, and I almost forgot one of the other cool things about it. Um, Jeff does Vegas uh, vacation consultation. If you sign up as a Jeff does Vegas insider, you're going to get a free 30 minute vacation consultation. This is your opportunity to sit down with me. We'll jump on zoom or, or however you want to connect and we'll have a conversation. We'll, we'll plan out your upcoming Vegas trip. Um, if you've never been to Vegas before, it's your opportunity to, uh, to learn from me. I can share some tips and tricks for you, some ideas for restaurants, hotels, attractions, shows, things like that. Uh, if you've been there before, maybe you've, you're just looking for something different to do. I can share some of that with you. Really, really cool stuff. Again, five bucks a month us. That's all it's going to cost you to become a Jeff does Vegas insider. When you do, those are all the things that you're going to get. Uh, want to remind you as well, make sure you are following the podcast on social media. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, we are at Jeff does Vegas really, really easy to find. And of course I'm really excited about this. And for those of you who are listening to this episode of the podcast, I want you to immediately uh, go over to YouTube and subscribe to the Jeff does Vegas YouTube channel. I I'm super excited that I'm, I'm finally able to do this. It's, it's been a while. I just really haven't had the tools or, um, the, the time to be able to put together video versions of the podcast. Really, really fun stuff. Again, I'm just, it's, it's kind of different and there's, I mean, I'm not getting a million views on these videos. I think if I posted a video of me getting hit in the crotch with a football, I would probably get more views than what I'm getting off of my, um, my actual videos. Don't get any ideas. I'm not posting videos of me getting hit in the, the crotch with a football, but I think if I posted that, I would probably get more views. But the fact that anybody is actually taking time out of their day to check out my ugly mug and my beautiful guests on the podcast, having a conversation, talking about whatever it is we're talking about. 
I love the fact that you guys are doing that. So, so thank you. Um, the YouTube channel is really simple. YouTube.com slash Jeff does Vegas, mash that subscribe button and, uh, and you'll be signed up. You'll get notified as soon as new videos are posted. And again, all of my upcoming episodes of the podcast are going to be video versions. So you're going to actually be able to watch me have these, these interview conversations, which, which is great. Um, all of the past episodes are there as well. Um, it's, those are, are not all that exciting because it's really, it's just a static image of the album art or the, the podcast art, I should say, uh, with a little animated wave thing. That's what's on, on there. Um, so that's what the, the past episode shows. So again, not that exciting, but appreciate anybody that's going back and, and watching slash listening to those. And then of course, again, anybody that's actually watching any of the, uh, the current episodes that are coming out as, as video versions. Uh, again, I, I really, really do appreciate it. My plan eventually is to not have the microphone here. So I'm not tapping it because <laughs> I like to talk with my hands, as you may have noticed for those of you that are watching, for those of you that are listening, you have no idea what I'm doing with my hands. Anyways, uh, that pretty much wraps things up for this special bonus episode of Jeff Does Vegas. Uh, again, thank you so much for taking time to uh, to listen to the podcast, not just this episode, but every episode. Uh, I really, really do appreciate it. We just recently hit a huge milestone of, of just over 200,000 total downloads of the podcast, which is just epic for me. And every time I hit one of these big milestones, I like to remind you guys that that when I started doing this, it was just for fun. It, it was fully intended as a passion project. It was something that I just wanted to do to enjoy myself. And, and if like two people listened that weren't my mom or my dad, I was going to be really, really thrilled by that. Here we are, 200,000 total downloads later, and the podcast is still going strong. So again, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, to listen. And of course, again, thank you to everybody who's taken time to uh, to watch the video versions of the podcast uh, on the Jeff Does Vegas YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, if you have any um, episode idea suggestions or things that you would like to, uh, to hear on the podcast, uh, any feedback, good, bad, and different, whatever, please reach out to me. Uh, you can do it via social media at Jeff Does Vegas. You can slide into my DMs, as the kids like to say, and, uh, and drop me a message uh, or uh, you can email me directly jeff at jeffdoesvegas.com thank you so much for listening thank you so much for watching my name is jeff this has been jeff does vegas have yourself an outstanding day and we will talk to you soon <laughs>